Welcome to my podcast, You Are Here For Now, a series of conversations inspired by my new book of the same name. I'm your host, artist and author Adam J. Kurtz. Each week on this show, I'll chat with some of the smartest, kindest, most generous, beautiful, amazing, talented people I know, and ask them about all of that being alive stuff that we don't always get to talk about, like passion, purpose, mortality, true love, defining success, mental illness, and figuring out what's next when you don't really know what you're doing. These conversations have already helped me so much, and I can't wait to share them with you. In this episode, I'm chatting with artists Jordan Sondler and Grace Michelli about topics like owning our fears and uncertainties, grief, mortality, and being alive, and learning to be comfortable in our own skin. Grace and Jordan are both artists and authors who live in New York, and we became good friends over the last few years. Jordan's book, Feel It Out, and Grace's book, How to Deal, both tackle mental health topics through art and humor, and when you look them up, you'll know exactly why I love them. Jordan and Grace, welcome to the podcast. Cool. Hello. My name is Grace Michelli. Hi, I'm Jordan Sondler. So uh, I'm just going to start with like a really easy question, like softball question. Um, one, are you happy? And two, what makes you happy? Okay. Um, I'm just asking for a friend because like it's really hard for me to be happy. So like, yeah, do you have totally, any tips? Totally. Yeah. So I've been feeling really great. Um but that's because I have taken the last month off from work. So <laughs> I don't I don't really know how uh, realistic it is to give that as advice. But um, yeah, I found happiness in like spending a month in nature, mostly off my phone with like my boyfriend and my dog and being present which is not always fun, right? Like being present can be really annoying and painful. But uh, yeah, that's how I've that's how I'm doing right now. I mean, that's a great answer. It sounds know, so nice. You, but hello, <laughs> you. But thanks for joining us from the, from the road on your like magical mystery tour. I know it's I so know. cool. It's nice because I haven't gotten to catch up with either of you in so long. And I think this is the longest Grace and I have gone without like catching up. So it's, I'm so glad we can see each other. I know. I'm really like weaponizing our friendship and like the distance of COVID in order to like market books from the world's largest publisher. Friendship, (laughs) modern friendship. (laughs) Perfect. Teach us your secrets. Um, So the secret is wait for a global pandemic to separate us for a year at a time, move to a remote island and then tell my friends if they want to catch up, they have to do my pod. Yeah. So far, so I mean, good. It works. There's so many positives. <laughs> I don't see the downside. Jordan, this. are you are you happy? Would you describe yourself as happy? Yeah, I would say I'm really happy. This week, I was incredibly sad and angry. So I don't think being happy in general necessarily means like joyful every day. Um, well, at least it does not for me. <laughs> I don't think I've ever felt that way in my life. And I've come to accept that. But yeah, I do feel happy. Um, I think the pandemic has been so hard on all three of us. And we've all three experienced such different scenarios during the pandemic. So yeah, it's gotten day to day life has gotten to be more manageable, I think, because I've really embraced the fact that I have no idea what's coming down the pike at any moment in Mm. my life. That's like, uh, and that always terrifies yeah. me. <laughs> it's like terrifying, but then yeah, to just to just own it and be like, well, actually, I have no idea, and I'll never know, so it's too bad. 
it's amazing. Like I've chased that, like trying to feel that way because I'm so anxious and I'm so incredibly afraid of things I don't know. Um, but I really have been forced to just not know for like a year and a half where my career is going, what it's going to look like, where I'm going to live, who I'm going to be with, when I'll see a person again. It's been strange, but I have had to adjust to it. And surprisingly, I, I did. And that makes me happy, actually. And swimming in the ocean. I love that you threw um, swimming in the ocean out at the very last minute. Wait, so tell us more about swimming in the ocean. <laughs> yeah, so I grew up in Rhode Island. Um, and my parents never knew what to do with us. So we just went to the beach every week. Um my family, my grandparents, my cousins, we all had beach lockers. And that was just so much part of my childhood. And uh, I didn't really appreciate it as a teen or a young adult. I mean, I'm still a young adult. But in the past few years, I've really realized like, that's who I am. That's what I love to do. And it brings me a sense of peace that I never really feel. So even though I'm terrified and I'm kind of convinced that one day a shark is going to brush up against me. Um, seeing as I was in Florida recently visiting my mom and a shark was caught five feet from me. I think that could have been the day. It wasn't. But I love floating and being tossed around by the waves. Um, it feels really good. And I don't think about anything else other than like not ingesting seawater. I love that your greatest so. fear is not being eaten by a shark. It's a shark brushing up against you. Like even your your fear is I very think... safe. <laughs> I I if I was eaten by a shark. Well, I'd probably never go in the ocean again. If I Jordan, you would be dead. Life. Yeah, but if, if a shark ate you, you one? would actually stay in the no, ocean I mean, forever. If, it would be your watery grave. About... <laughs> well, I assume most people who get bitten by sharks don't yeah. die. So when you say eaten by, I think maybe. Yeah. Has a shark ever eaten a full person? It seems like that would be so time consuming, like to eat an entire person. I think they can kill you, but I think people respond like lifeguards before that really happens, but you can be killed. Grace, what is like your Um. fear right now as you are (laughs) um, on the road and doing a lot of camping? Like, are you afraid of a bear brushing up against you? (laughs) Versus killing you? I, I mean, I purchased a bear horn for Wait, the trip. Wait, stop. What, what is a, sorry, what is a bear horn? It's like, it's like a horn that you honk. I don't know. What do you do with a horn? Honk? A horn that you honk uh, if, if a bear is nearby. Cause like, I don't want to use bear spray, right? That's like inhumane. I'm in the bear's home, right? Like the forest is, I'm not like, I'm a guest. Um, and I have a very adorable but uh, aggressive dog that I could see, like, getting into an altercation with a bear. So, yeah, I mean, that's before I left for this trip, I definitely was having visions of a bear or just, like, someone coming in, uh, murdering me in, in the tent because, you know, there's no doors, there's no locks, you're just out uh, in the wild. But... After, you know, I've camped several times now and it feels pretty good. I mean, similar to Jordan, like talking about the just like the physicality of being in the waves, like camping at at first, I was like, oh, it's so gross. I'm just like covered in dirt. And now I'm like, 
I don't know, I'm covered in dirt. Like I can, I'm actually like aware of my body. Like when you're uncomfortable, like you actually are paying attention to your body when I feel like one of my big struggles is just a being a floating head and that's it. Like I'm just like an anxious floating head. I have no idea what's going on like below that. So I think like who knew nature is healing, whatever. That's right? so like, annoying works. when like the advice that we all know to be rooted in truth ends up being right. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, the three of us have chased that too in the past year and a half, which is crazy. You moving to Hawaii, you with a new home and, you know, gardens and <laughs> flowers and things Ugh. like that. It's, it's like exhausting. Yeah. How dare I chase Even happiness? Even if it's unconscious. I don't know. I feel like being aware of my body is like probably one of my biggest fears is like brushing up against awareness of the body. That's a nightmare for me. Let alone like actually being aware of it. But just to brush up against awareness is like, huh, that's too much. I think I like being in the ocean. I'm just going to eat a peanut butter I'm, sandwich. I'm a big girl. <laughs> I'm a big girl and uh it makes me feel small. Like it just reminds me like that mm. my life is not in a bad way. This can this could go over badly, but my life is small, you know, like we're all this floating yes. in this like interconnectedness yeah. and um it just it it feels I hate the term like don't take life too seriously. I actually have a humongous problem with that. Um, but yeah, in the moment, I'm like, not taking life too seriously, which is, it feels kind of freeing. That's really very beautiful for both of you. And I feel like both of you are not without your demons, like your work speaks to that. And so for you both to transform (laughs) (laughs) during, okay, so I don't know if you both know this, but you both struggle with, um, you know, mental health related issues, and you both have a lot of insecurity. So chew on that. Um, yeah, you know how I know it's because I read your books, Feel It Out and How to Deal. And even if I hadn't, the titles alone are just screaming into the void, similar to You Are Here For Now. These are all, these are cries for help. And I feel like that's something very, (laughs) the podcast title, Cries for Help with Jordan, Grace, and Adam. Um, but I think that, I think that our work is so much about the like just seeking 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 searching 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 and like putting out these beacons right like our work is our way of putting into the universe like hello out there this is my thing help and to to find it in or or to begin to find it in what is admittedly like an extremely difficult time is very special and really kind of a gift um i'd like to ask both of you, if you feel like there's a single moment in your life that triggered a big transformational change, I don't want to say that it is this time. Um, And I think for both of you, it was before this time, but you're both successful, whatever that means. You're both happy at this moment, whatever that means. Like, how did you get here? And and can you pinpoint a moment when it was like, Oh, yeah. Okay. This is what I'm going to. This is the moment I'm choosing to do this, this, and this, or this is the moment I see five steps ahead, and now I'm just going to follow this path. Um, and maybe, Grace, you could go first. Yeah. So at the time, it wasn't that clear to me, right? But like looking back now, uh, all right, let's just, let's just 
get real. Uh, about four years ago, I had a point where I just like didn't want to be alive anymore. Deeply sort relatable, of, right? Yeah. Like, sort. I mean, like, sort of, sort of relatable. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I can't relate, but uh, theoretically relatable. I mean, yeah, right. I was very lucky to get to like read your book this morning before we had this chat and so that's why I want to I want to go there um yeah so about four years ago I was in like a major depressive episode and that was what I needed like you know luckily I was able to have the realization that while I didn't want to be alive uh I knew that I just wanted to, like, change how I was living my life. Basically, I didn't want to be alive with how I was doing things, right? How I was operating, like, it, how I was thinking, how I was acting, like, that just wasn't going to cut it anymore. And luckily, that, you know, turned into, like, I stopped drinking, I went back to therapy, like, I started to read self-help books. So, uh, and I think, yeah, it really was just a, like, for me, which I think is maybe different from you guys, I was someone that struggled my whole life with uh, acknowledging and expressing my emotions. Mm. Like, I don't know. From from what I know about you guys, like, I, th- I think you both have identified as, like, being emotional people, right? People who, like, are How expressing themselves. How dare you? Maybe not. I am trying maybe my hardest to mask here. <laughs> I wish I had. I mean, I um, I was kind of punished for exactly vocalizing my feelings in the past. So I really did actually shut down for a while. Okay, so again, another so I can relate in that another way. relatable thing. But yeah, so I had spent most of my life uh pretending I didn't have emotions, and so then that's kind of like what led me to that dark place. Uh, and yeah, luckily I was able to like turn it into like kind of the next chapter in my life my journey right and it's been really inspiring to see you do that i i will admit i didn't know like how dark the dark part was for you but i've totally seen you transform the last couple years and that's something that i'm really inspired by i like wrote in my show notes like grace i've been so proud of i feel like we're having an intervention now with my printed out paper but just like really like proud of that growth and then like a little bit jealous because it feels like you brought a layer of intention that I haven't tapped into yet. But I want to say something that you said about like, you realized you were tired of your life as it stood, but then also realized like, okay, just change your life. Because I think a lot of times when you're in that dark part where you don't want to live anymore, what you really are saying is like, I don't want to live like this anymore. And that specificity is so important because there's a huge difference between like, I don't want to exist and I don't want to exist like this. And if we, if we could somehow arm our, our past selves or arm people who are in that dark part with those extra two words like this or in this way, or as it stands, like if we could just simply put that little extra button on that changes everything, right? Like that's, your answers in the question, which is my favorite kind of question as a Jewish person. Um, but but that's it. It's like just change things. And I feel like 
yes, in the in the time of my life where I was also like, yeah, I'm out, like, no thanks. Um, I I realized that I had to change things, and I'm not actually ready to share the entirety of that story for me. Um, and that was something with the book where I I had to pull back, where you know this book is me getting really vulnerable, and then there were things that I wrote where I was like, actually, now is not the time, and that's something that I think is really cool about all three of us and our work is that we share a lot and we've we're making I mean we've literally written self-help books and we make art that is rooted in these very real experiences and yet you can share super honestly you can be so vulnerable you can connect with hundreds of people who who think and feel similarly to the way that you do um and a beautiful thing about making this work is that you quickly realize how how relatable it is and like actually everyone's a little fucked up and that's so helpful um, but you can do that and be so real and so raw while still really protecting yourself and your truth and your story. And it's kind of a fine line. Um, and I feel like Jordan, you in particular with your last book really achieved this where your, you know, my perception of your work is that it was for a long time, very commercial illustration, super popular in demand. I mean, your client list is nuts. Like you've done so much cool work for so many people. And then at a certain point you were like, you know what? I'm ready to like stop communicating the client's brief and start just talking about my own shit in a really real way. And like the book was part of it. The art was part of it. Um, the way that you use social media is a part of it. The way that you're doing clubhouse is a really big part of it. Um, was there a moment for you when you were like, it's, I just need to start feeling and emoting outwardly and like, I need to stop hiding. Like, I just want to do this and make my art this. Totally. But for one second, I just want to circle back and like totally commend you for knowing your boundaries because I think it's for you until it's not, yeah. you know, it's really tricky to make this type of work. Because we're still processing it and we'll always be processing it for ourselves emotionally. So these aren't stories that are just out there to exist for other people. They are things that we are learning from and accepting in ourselves. And sometimes when you make work too early about something, it feels really terrible. (laughs) Or sometimes when people want to talk about something you're not ready to share, you're like, oh, what did I do? So I'm really proud of you and... I think it's amazing that you can even just admit that you've had those thoughts and that the three of us have been able to talk about it a bit. And I too have um, wanted to not exist. And that started when I was a teen and felt very isolated in my emotions. And like, I was such a burden to have feelings. Um, And it's only like in the past year or two that I've been able to say that. And it's been, like over 16 years since I first started having those feelings so I'm proud of us for even just being able to say this like that's I'm like I'm just looking at your blurry blurry computer faces and thinking like how incredible it is to like we are we're friends like we hang out but we've the three of us have never spoken this out loud to each other and it's weird that it's happening on a podcast but then also what I said about our art being like beacons into the world, it's like, I'm not surprised at all. Like, of course, our work helped us connect with others. Our, of course, our work helped lead us to each other um, because some part of our like human soul or it's hard not to roll my eyes when I start thinking about the spirituality of this all. But like 
there is there's something about our soul that that leads us to make this work and put it out there and really is like a beacon for other people that whether we are ready to talk about it or not can find our way to each other and I just want to say that I'm really glad that you both exist because you are very special and important people. And as a result of the empathy you learned from those experiences and are still learning, you're making work that really helps other people, myself included. Um, so yeah, like, thanks for being here. I feel the yeah. same way. Yeah. Like, I really cherish you both so much. And I know a lot of other people do. And I know a lot of people listening have never had the opportunity to meet you guys or me. But I, I'm so grateful for our friendship and for your work. That's so, really why I started this podcast is so that here. like, you know, I can hear these compliments later in my life. And, and I'm going to I'm going to listen to this episode again. Yeah. When I start to feel like everyone hates me. Um, which is like a recurring thought oh, for me. No. I I started out as a joke, but then I accidentally got more vulnerable. So fuck you guys. Um, <laughs> I do, yeah, I do regularly feel like I'm a burden to everyone that I know. I think that's normal, right? Is it normal, or are we? Do we have mental illness? I mean, sometimes I don't know. I think everything's normal. I'm always, I feel like I'm yeah. always saying stuff like, it's normal to feel this way. And then there's probably like, you know, most of the world is enlightened and they're like, it's actually not. But do you want to tell him? Do you want, no, he has to figure it out. Like sometimes I feel like there's a secret and everyone knows a secret except for me. And I'm just like going around being like, there's no secret. And all the people who know the secret are like, there, there is actually a secret. And I'm still trying to figure out if that's in my brain or... If anyone wants to leak the secret, hit me up. No, hashtag I, leak I've the heard secret. That echoed so many times. <laughs> I've, I'm, I personally feel that way, and I've always felt that way, and I've heard from anyone who hasn't like conventionally fit in in at one point in their lives that they feel that way. So I'm gonna guess that we all feel that way. At one point or another, I mean, things aren't always so good. We didn't even get to ask you if you're happy, but I feel like that kind of ties back into yeah, it. Yeah, are, like, are you happy, Adam? Pass. Pass. No, Um. you know, I am, I'll say this, and, and this is usually how I would answer this question. So if you're listening to all the episodes of the podcast, first of all, bless you. And second of all, I'm sorry in advance, but like, I'm, I think I'm the happiest I've ever been. And that's a product of a lot of different changes in my life. Um, including, you know, numerous changes that are a result of working on this book, where I was like, you can't write this book that's basically saying, hey, snap out of it. Like, you are here, you are alive, let's do this. TikTok, bitch. You can't write that book and then, like, not make changes. That would be be a mess. That would be wrong. So I, I made changes, and I am, yeah, I'm the happiest I've ever been. I'm, like, really doing, I'm doing pretty okay. Hell Doesn't yeah. mean I don't, like, miss New York or or miss other moments it doesn't mean that I'm not like homesick or or lonely or anxious or depressed like I'm still everything at once but yeah I'm the happiest I've ever been and every time I say that it feels more and more true yay I mean happiness is not a cure-all why not it doesn't mean that <laughs> <Sorry>. everything <laughs> it doesn't mean that every cup is yeah. full like and I think being a, an adult and also making this type of work and having to be introspective while doing that reminds you, huh, so when I've been happy, I haven't had everything. That's super weird. Yeah. I always thought that was going to be the case. 
And then I think you realize as we get older, you're never going to have everything you want. I feel like as soon as your cup gets almost full, like they give you another cup. Do you know what I mean? So it's like you can be really close to three cups full, but then like I have like 40 cups now and some of them are completely empty. And then some of them are like runneth over, as they say. Yeah, it's a lot of cups. Anytime my cup has appeared full from the outside, I've been miserable. Mm. I can say that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't even know. I I think there's no trick to life. It stinks, but it's <laughs> just not. There's no place where you're like Mecca or at least not for me. God, I you know what? Being alive is. <laughs> it's a lot. Um. Pivoting back to death for a second, just because I love death. Um, Yeah. Uh, Like, how would you like to be remembered when you're gone? I am the only one in here who traditionally lost a parent. And I definitely view that as like, and this is just a personal thing. I kind of feel like what happens to me after, I'm not saying I don't want any say, but I feel like it's for the people I leave behind. Like I have been so affected by my father's passing. And um, I think whatever is going to help my kids, my partner, my mom, whomever is concerned, get through it. I'm going to be okay with that. I'm going to be at peace with that. So I'm always going to want to kind of stress that because it's, uh, they'll be dealing with it the rest of their lives. If they're anything like me, (laughs) That's actually a really perfect response. And I think I think just now in this moment, you've actually changed my perspective. I'm I'm kind of grateful that you brought up your father passing because that was a question that I had for you that I was really uncertain about asking. And part of my question oh for my you is I'm like an open book about it. I know that you speak about it often, and I think that there is a lot of bravery in being open about like, hey, I'm still processing this. And, and to share it, not just with a community of people who have also lost a parent, but with a community of people for whom that's like so scary that they just never think about it at all, which is, I think, many people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is, there, is there a right way for people to talk to you about it at all? Or is it like a, you have to bring it up and if you don't bring it up first, do not oh mention God. it kind of thing? I love this question. Um, so everyone is obviously different, which yeah. you just pointed to. And I think every step of the process is different. Because now it's been 16 years since my dad passed. Um, And I will start off by saying I started a group with a couple of women I've known for years. Um, We started this year a dead parent club. And most of the attendees have been people we do not know. Um, And we have about like 85 people following the group. And we'll have like 13 people on any given day that we do it. But they're usually different people. And again, we usually don't know them. And everyone has lost a parent at a different point in their lives. And some people, some of people have been showing up who lost parents in COVID. A lot of people have been coming who've lost parents in the past few months. Now, I can't even imagine if I would have been ready for that. But I did, you know, these are like women in their 30s or men in their 30s or 40s coming. So it's a little different than like a 15 year old showing up. Um, But maybe if we're hosting on TikTok in some way, we could get teens making videos about their parents passing. Maybe that is a new venture. Um, So I will say I love to be asked about my dad. People don't usually ask me about my dad. 
I love to be asked about my grief. People don't usually ask me about my grief. And it took starting this um, group that meets once a week for me to really realize that and be able to vocalize it. Because only now have I been able to meet people who can relate. Um, I was always kind of trying to form a friend into... Like, I was always trying to wrap my mind around, like, oh, this person, their parent was sick for a couple of years, so they can definitely relate to, like, thinking about the mortality of their parents. They can never relate to not ever having that parent again. Um, so it feels really freeing to have that group of people to help me realize how I want other people to interact with me or what I crave and what I'm ready to share. And to be honest, I'm ready to share most of it because I've gone so much time without sharing any of it. Even in a relationship, even in a very serious relationship, like we barely talked about my dad. And uh, I don't want to do that again. That's really interesting to me. So you were in a very serious relationship and your partner never talked about your dad or like almost never or... I think a lot of people like you were asking this question I so appreciate that you bring it up like more than you will ever know honestly because I think about it a lot I think he didn't know if it was okay I think I wasn't at the this point you know we haven't been together for over four years now and that was really different and not too unlike Grace I've always been a really emotional person but I was not rewarded for sharing my feelings in the past so I it, they were definitely bottled up and I've only been processing like my grief surrounding my dad's death in recent years. And that's because I just, I stunted myself emotionally. I had to keep all this stuff inside to be palatable to other people in my life. Just jumping off that very last thing you said, and this is a question for both of you. Do you think it's even possible to make yourself palatable to everyone? Because I hear you saying, right? I hear you you feeling like it was necessary to be palatable. And then I'm like, well, there's probably a lot of people who don't find you palatable anyway. And Oh, yeah, right? totally. Like, no offense. <laughs> like, I really find you very palatable. Ever, yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, but I think about this a lot because there are so many things that I've denied myself in the service of, like, trying to respect what I thought other people wanted for me. Um, whether it was like, you know, hiding elements of like my faith or lack of faith, whether it was like, you know, sexual identity or, or desire, you know, in many different ways. Um, there are so many ways that we just like flatten and shrink ourselves all the time. And I guess, I don't know if this is a question or just a statement for everyone listening, but like some people are just going to hate you no matter what, or not hate you, but like not even just not like you. And letting go of wanting to be liked for anything other than who you are is it's like such an important and huge step and it's at least for me it's always a work in progress we should talk about like the ramifications of that or how it feels to us as creatives too to accept that to be making work because that ties to something i was just reading from your book about like the validation from other people about feeling like other people get what you're making and like it it's so hard when like a certain aspect of your career is, I mean, a lot of it is depending on other people and how they perceive it and how they perceive you because we're so tied to our work. But I think we've all three of us had to reckon with the fact that it doesn't at the end of the day define our worth 
and mean that we're bad people. And just because you don't have one person's support doesn't mean you're bad. But it's, it's tricky. I think there's something, for me, there was something to like, once I, I started to like myself, actually, like, that helped shift how I, how much weight I gave to other people's opinions of me, right? Because for most of my life, I didn't even think about, you know, my opinion of myself, right? It was always just like, what does this person think about me? What does this person, you know? So I think that like, building up believing in myself right or like my my confidence all that stuff uh has helped and it doesn't mean that right if someone like dms you like i hate your art or or just whatever of a, a friend un- a friend unfollows you on instagram right um it's like that's always gonna sting that is always gonna hurt i don't i don't believe anyone who says that like they're that detached from external validation that like that doesn't bother them but it's about not like running away with that being like okay this friend unfollowed me they hate my art my art is bad i'm a failure i'm quitting art right so it's like how it's like stopping yourself and just being like looking at that as a fact like okay this person doesn't like i like how you just offered that like inner monologue as an example but it's my actual inner monologue (laughs) you're like hypothetically someone might feel this way and i'm like that's me I think it's so universal. Yeah. I think it's yeah. so human to feel all these things. I mean, and and to your point, like it's literally a chapter in my book and I it doesn't mean I have it figured out either. It's like I had to write it down so that it would be there for me on the days that I forget it. Exactly. Which which Having is Having awareness about something doesn't like change it. Yes. Like, oh my like, god. Hey, I'm a master now. Yes. Like, no. Holy so shit. One step. <laughs> wow. It's one step. Yes. Yes, step 1 awareness. Step 2 do the thing. Make the change. I think we're going to be dying while doing the thing. You yeah. Know? I think Do it like over and over and over. Story. Yeah. Even yeah. if it's not on Instagram, even if it's not on TikTok or whatever. I like that you keep saying TikTok like you think. Yeah. Are, yeah, you on, like, I've never, are, you are they TikTok paying? Now? No, but I've never, I don't have a TikTok. I've never been on it, though. I have to say two days ago, someone sent me a TikTok that I'm randomly featured in, like a photo of me. And I was like, wow, that's so weird. What? What, what photo? Wait, what? what is this? Yeah, what? It, it was a photo of me, like, uh, when I was photographed years ago for In Style. Like, it was just a bunch of people wearing clothes. It, oh, it didn't really right. make I mean, that you, much sense. But I was like, cool, I've never yeah. been on TikTok. So, I mean, no. <laughs> Yes, you are, Jordan. It was just this photo of me from when I was photographed by InStyle. <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> let's do it. Let's let's talk about fashion. Wait, just tell us the about camera. the photo. Tell they us about the like, TikTok. Okay, you're here. I'll just take the picture. <laughs> no. Um, I don't know. I mean, the, you, the video was funny. <laughs> I mean, you you do have style and taste, and you do, like, enjoy to craft an outfit. Like, what? yeah, what kind of role does fashion have in your life? You also talk about, like, like indie fashion brands and size inclusive fashion. Like you actually have a lot of opinions about this and yeah. What does that mean for you in your life? So, yeah. So I'm a fat woman. I have been for most of my life and only recently have I felt comfortable talking about this really. Like I didn't fully answer Adam's question earlier 
I went through a breakup four and a half years ago, and I felt so truly miserable, even though I knew it was the right thing and it was something I decided for myself. I was like, what have I been doing with my life? And that's kind of when I realized I haven't been honest about my feelings with most people, including myself. And it started me down this journey of realizing I have a voice and it's valuable and I can say things. Like I never used to raise my hand. I never used to make waves. I never felt smart. I never felt a value. I really like, I was in a bad place like with self-love and self-acceptance at this time. And I feel like I've made leaps and bounds in the past few years. And by letting myself make work about it, which felt really natural to me, which did not feel really natural to my bank account, like totally shifted my career. And again, stopped like making the work that Adam was referencing before, like a ton of product stuff. Um, it just felt a lot more natural to make work about how I was figuring stuff out and felt kind of like a mess um, most of the time. And it's still serving me to this day, but it's definitely a challenge to figure out. Um, and yeah, so one of the things I've been talking about recently is it being a fat person in the world and what that feels like. And um, it feels really timely. Like, I mean, it's no coincidence that like, I feel there's a movement going on right now. And that kind of emboldened me to be like, yeah, I'm fat, I can say it. And I can accept it. And the fact that I didn't say it or accept it before didn't mean that I wasn't fat. So uh, I think making this work about feelings and continuing to be in therapy just helps me become more comfortable with all different parts of me. Um, and I usually can't push the timeline on that. So yeah, today is the day where I can um, celebrate brands that recognize my worth and the worth of people who look like me. And I go really hard for them because there still aren't that many. And I am starting to talk about what it's like to live in my body. And uh, I'm proud of myself for that because I actually never thought I would get there because I really didn't like my body until recently. I am really proud of you. And I feel the way that you shifting your art practice to better honor your emotions and your own growth has helped you get further and further. It's like people like us need to trick ourselves into, we need to make personal growth into our job so that we actually do it. And I think that what you said too about like whether or not you use the label fat, like doesn't change what you look like. And also you can't disguise your body to the point where other people can't see it which is something that I've... No, but you totally try to trick yourself into... Oh, yeah. You, you can spend a lot... I mean, you can spend a lifetime trying to, like, dress for your size or, or contour your face or, like... I mean, we're sold all this shit for that all the time. And, you know, I'll say that I've, I've never been thin either and have really fluctuated a lot in my life with my weight and my body and been very insecure about that, too. And one thing that I always hated was the language for fat people that's used, like... When we, when we would go shopping, like, I would shop in, like, the husky section. That was, like, the 90s term for fat men and boys. Word. Husky. Like a f <laughs> dog. Or, like, curvy, which sounds nice, but, like, not all fat bodies are curvy. Right. And my body's not curvy. I mean, like, I guess technically I have curves, but I'm not curvy. But that was the only thing I w that felt palatable enough to me. It was like, that's kind of cute. Cuter than chubby. You know? Right. Like they had to come up with all these other 
Well, and then in the gay community, like there's there's a weird nomenclature with animals. Like you can be a bear or a cub. Like I, someone called me a, a cub, and I was like, no, I'm just I'm just fat. That's just I just have love handles. I'm not an animal. Like I don't want to like get people have like paw print tattoos. I'm like, no, I'm. No, I just enjoy eating food. You know why? Because to me, that's like one of the best parts of being alive. And like, you know, do I want to be, do I want to fit like a different beauty standard? Yeah. Sometimes when I see people wearing an outfit that I can't, you know, sometimes like athleisure. Can we talk? We're raised that way. Is there Uh, anything growing up that made you feel like we were right? That we looked the right way? We have been been set up for failure. Like it. Yes. Uh, that fat phobia is so internalized and like oh, I feel like more and more every day I'm realizing like how deep it goes. There's so much layered into it in terms of like the marketing of clothing, um the the conversation around food and eating and food shame, um when it comes to sexuality, feeling like you can only be loved by someone who like fetishizes your size. Like, there's so many insidious layers that go all the way down. And yeah, I mean, I've spent most of my life just trying to be... I'm also 6'2". I'm like a very... It's very important for me to mention on the podcast that I am physically tall. Um, Damn you. (laughs) I feel like I've spent... Yeah, everyone on this podcast... Everyone on this episode (laughs) is tall. Um, Yes, and very beautiful. If you're not... If you're just listening... Gorgeous knockout. I mean, three incredibly beautiful people. That that is true though. Um, but yeah, I feel like shit. I lost what I was. Gonna... Oh, I feel like I've just spent a lot of my time trying to shrink. I spent a lot of my time trying to get yeah. on other people's levels. I don't want to stick out too much. Did you feel like you did that with your that like concealing your feelings or your true identity was part of that? Because it was for me. I think that for a long time, I was concealing my feelings because I was concealing everything about myself. Like growing up in a religious yeah. community, knowing that you're gay and like knowing that it would bring shame or or being so sure it would bring shame or pain to the people around you. I just like fully tried to like go within. And of course it didn't work. What What happened is that I was actually just very frustrated a lot of the time. Um, and then I really leaned on like negative coping um mechanisms and i don't know i think that there was also the like the for now element to it where like i knew it was gonna get better and i just had to wait it out like i knew that i would have the opportunity to create the life i wanted to live i knew i'd have the opportunity to do my hair the way i wanted or to dress the way i wanted and it took me some time to learn how to dress even um but then you know eventually you find ways to to be comfortable in yourself in your identity in your body all of that and yeah, being the happiest I've ever been, part of that is also being the most confident or not confident, but like just comfortable in my own body. Like, I don't think I'm a model. Most you. Yeah, I'm just, been, I'm right? just, I'm like, this is what I look like. And it hasn't prevented a person from loving me enough to like be with me for nine years. It hasn't prevented me from like having friendships. It's like the things that I told myself as a younger person, like you are fat, so everyone hates you. It's like, no, they hate you because of other things. They hate you because you're they hate you because you're fucking annoying and you're annoying because you don't belong here and you know it and they know it. And it's like, that's true. 
that's a truth. I think we undid so much. It's just like <laughs> so much of the past hour was oh. undone with that. <laughs> but um, you're hot, so it's no wonder to me why people love you and like you. And same, it has nothing to do with being. I also think you're very hot. hot. I don't think. Well, no, but you're you're attractive. I'm just saying. Like, I think it takes a lot to realize. Um, for me, like being fat doesn't mean that I'm the most undesirable person in the world. Doesn't fat and I unattractive are not the same thing. Period. Yeah, right, that's a really we important distinction. Yeah, we were. Yeah, we were taught they were. So it's like really nothing to take for granted. Like coming to the place where you finally accept that because there's so many people. Yeah, so many bigoted people, and still so many fat people. Who believe that yeah and that's sad and i hope one day that they don't because it took me a while to get here well you know part of me feels like yeah. having a conversation and using real words around that conversation is what helps like yeah. for a long time like fat was like a word that you would whisper under your, you know like well you know i'm f- it was weaponized yeah that's why and it's like no it's it was like always a weapon yeah it was it was like i, I mean it, it's just it's just a thing it's just i don't know I have fat on my body. I always have and I always will. That's okay. And and I have also found myself like very sexually attracted to to fat men and been like, oh, oh this God, person has the same body type as me and I'm so into it. And like, I'm so into him. Why wouldn't someone be into me? We're, we're so similar. I've been so attracted to men who are a lot bigger than me too. And it's never crossed my mind that this person's undesirable or less than because they're big. But I only ever turn that back on myself. Yeah. Why are we kinder to every Um, single other person in the world, including people who don't like us, than we are to ourselves? It sucks. This kind of ties in with what I wanted to say. But I think it's really interesting how the three of us had to come to this point where it's like everything came to a head and it's like we could no longer stay in. We had to like explode outwardly and then start to like try to repair and be ourselves and figure out if other people would like that and if they didn't then that's that's just the cross we have to bear um and i i believe that's a thing of our generation and i wonder what it will be like for people who get to come up in a more positive world because we're starting to have these conversations and comfort each other in our shared like experiences around this kind of trauma um and i really hope like for the next couple generations, people just feel they don't have to go through this. You know, like people who are being born today who are going to be fat in 10 years, hopefully they're not taught like being fat is ugly and terrible and the worst thing that could happen to you in life. So I'm glad we're making this work and talking about it and you're making this podcast that's going to live forever and people can look back on this and be like, wow, it's so weird that people lived in a world where they thought that they were less than because of the way they look. I don't want to pretend that like this podcast will stand the test of time, but I, I'm very like... It's part of it. It's, you never know. I, one thing that know. I think yeah. it, that's really cool that's happening with um with inclusive fashion and even that feels like coded language. I just want to say it like companies that are making clothes for fat people, not just like the same garment at a larger size and the fit is wrong but like clothes that are made (laughs) to fit fat bodies is so cool and like like you made an investment in figuring yeah other body and it's flattering and it's right and it's like designed by people with different figures and modeled by people with different figures and like tested you know like with the input of yeah different figures that's a big and when you see it done right it's like why is this so hard like um we're talking to tuesday bassin on this podcast and like 
Tuesday of California has sizes from extra, extra small to 6X, including... And she's one of the first people to pioneer that. And she's our age. Yeah. So that's incredible. And she didn't come up in like a fashion household. It's like, like she started as an illustrator and then she was like, I want cute clothes that fit my body right. And I want my friends to have cute... You know what I mean? The thing is, she's also not a 6X. So she just started with empathy for other people, which I I think a lot of people can't see beyond themselves and see beyond like what serves them and what's going to make them feel comfortable. She was like, no, I'm taking everyone along with me for this ride. And I know so many people who are so appreciative of what she's done from the start. It's really cool to, to see it from the outside and see not how easy it is, but how possible it is. And feel like, okay, more people could absolutely be doing this. And, you know, I think that... Even in their marketing. I know. Like, even people who don't make clothes, like, it's it really makes me sad. Because I have a lot of friends who are makers, and they're wildly talented, and I love them as people. But they do not... In my mind, they're fatphobic. They are not including other people of different sizes in their campaigning and those people are buying their products so you're just kind of showing us like you're not really a desirable customer of mine i'm not going to even recognize that you're investing in this brand i notice yeah i notice when there's like if there's a group of models in a something and there's not a fat person like i notice i always notice (laughs) in the same way that i notice if there's like a very obvious lack of diversity or gender expression I notice if there's not a fat model. And I also notice if there is like one fat model and they are behind everyone else or they're doing some other thing. And uh, this is the most I've ever spoken about this topic ever, <laughs> Jordan. And it's really because yeah, I mean, it's you... Once you get started, you don't want to stop. <laughs> it's so liberating to even talk about it. So honestly, like, thank you for having this conversation on your Instagram stories. I have to say, like, I don't follow everyone's Instagram stories, but your Instagram stories are always so generous. Like, that's really where you connect the dots between your empathetic work and your empathetic self. And having that sort of like behind the scenes of not the work process, but like the being alive process and the figuring it out process is so helpful. It's so empowering and it feels like uh, like a leading by example and like a very intentional camaraderie. I just love it. And I really am so that proud of you lot. and grateful for you. I, I'll say like, like with being fat and also still dealing with grief and going to deal with the grief of my dad passing, seeing other people have those conversations has inspired me to look at it in my life and then want to get like pay it forward and do that for someone else because I know that's what's helped me to get here by seeing other people by hearing other people say this is what I'm dealing with this is how I feel it's not tidy yeah and so I just that's the way that I know how to like play my part and you guys both do that too yeah in your books in your work that you make in the conversations you have with me and your other friends and that's why we like each other, I think. Oh, my God. Thank you. This has been such a great conversation. It's been so good to catch up with you. And we can do this again, not on a podcast. Um, I would love to ask you each one last question. Um, what's one piece of advice you'd give to someone who has literally no idea what's next? 
Um, I would say that you might feel this way in the future. This might not be the last time you feel this way, but you always, always get through it. And you can find footing in like the least expected places. Like it's just going to come. Just keep believing in what feels right to you and try to tune out other people's expectations of you or what they think is the right decision for you. The chips are going to fall somewhere and you're going to figure it out. Um, That's the best advice I can give because I feel that way right now. (laughs) And I just have to believe, you know, life keeps moving. Even when you feel stuck in your brain, like things are going to be decided and you can change them, but you don't fully have control over everything. And I think once you can come to terms with that, it's it's kind of nice. It takes the pressure off of always feeling like you have to make every decision for yourself because a lot of times things are decided for you. Yeah, I mean, right, I would say, like, welcome to the club, right? Like, sorry, even if you think you know exactly what's going to happen next, like, you don't. Um, and, yeah, to acknowledge that it is really hard, that balance between planning for the future but also like letting yourself be present and open to possibilities but I think some helpful advice is to when you know if you feel really like fixated or stressed out on what comes next to try to just like zoom out and like try to shift your perspective or look at things differently I'm I've always really struggled with that like I'll get so fixated on a specific outcome and I think to just open your mind to all the you know you talk a lot in your book about possibilities but it's like that is like right now I'm I'm like thinking of all you know all these different paths I could take and to just like let your let all the possibilities exist before you decide that like you think you know exactly what's supposed yeah, to happen yeah 100% And I hope that also one day we're able to say things like possibilities without slightly rolling our eyes. But but that's also (laughs) a common thread in our work is like hoping for the best and this sort of very cautious um, optimism. But like we're also like little assholes. Um, This has been so great. Thank you so much, Um, Grace Michelli and Jordan Sondler, my my beautiful and very tall friends who are also so talented and great. Um, Thanks for being on the pod. Um, Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to You Are Here For Now, the podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And pick up a copy of my book, You Are Here For Now, for yourself or someone you love at your favorite bookstore, or adamjk.com. Until next time, be kind to yourself and remember, you are here, but you're not alone.